This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Are you tired of the endless stream of fantasy marketing and vanity metrics? Yeah, so am I. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, media specialist, and marketing strategist. I'm also a student of professional development, and like you, I've been left frustrated by all of this influencer-driven generic advice making us think that we are just one course, conference, or manifestation away from the life of our dreams. We need to cut through this crap and move beyond the posturing, beyond the facade, beyond the image to take real action on the real work that will create the real results. This is the Beyond the Image podcast. What is going on? And thank you so much for tuning in to this, our weekly live coaching. So excited that you could be joining us this morning. Uh, as we did last week, what we're doing now is every week I'm picking a new topic. Uh, often these topics are sent in by you, our listeners, uh, to do a quick dive into uh, and to really strategize on and extrapolate. Uh, last week, we talked about um, how one goes about landing on a magazine cover. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about social media strategies uh, for you to really hone in on in 2023. Um, and as always, if you have questions on this topic, you can put them into the chat box, whether you're watching on our Facebook stream, whether you're watching on our YouTube stream, uh, whatever comments that you're able to put in, I'm able to bring up on screen and answer those. And then after we go through this topic, if there are any other questions that you have on your brand, on marketing, on business development, um, I'm happy to uh, give some time to those as well. What announcements do we have? Well, um, we did close the submissions for Ricochet Magazine. So those are closed. We do have two submissions open for Icon Fit Magazine. Uh, and those details are on Instagram at Icon Fit Magazine. Uh, one is we are currently accepting um, uh, photo submissions or visual submissions for our fifth volume, uh, which goes to press in just a few weeks. So this is, think of this as the last call for that. Uh, also, we are doing a cover casting for volume six, which is our spring edition. Um, the details on what we are looking for, I could just tell you what we're looking for. We're looking for um, more than one person on this cover, perhaps a team, perhaps a partnership, perhaps a joint venture, perhaps it's siblings, perhaps it's um, uh, spouses, perhaps they're business partners. We want to highlight teamwork. We want to highlight collaboration. That's the theme of our sixth volume. So for the sixth cover, the casting details are available at Icon Fit Magazine on Instagram, uh, and we're going to be making that decision probably here pretty soon because we need to get that get that selection made and get that 
photo shoot booked and all that fun stuff. So be sure to check that out. All right. So the topic we wanted to dive into today was social media strategies for 2023. And the reason this came up is really in response to how how frustrated I've seen entrepreneurs get when it comes to the management of their social media platforms. Um, we constantly are trying to pump out content through, you know, for most of us, it's Instagram. Um, you know, we, we have a new launch or we have a new program or we have a new uh, offer that we want to communicate to our audience. And it seems whenever we put that out, particularly on social media, it's not getting much response. In fact, it, it, it's crickets. And that's frustrating for us as entrepreneurs because there was once a time, uh, for those that remember, that we could put something out on Instagram, an offer, and we would get a response. We could promote something and we would get some feedback. And it seems like that has gone away. And there's a reason it has gone away. Um, the reality is, is that we, as entrepreneurs, are no longer operating and validating and honoring how we as consumers want to be served. Think of it like the golden rule. All right. Treat others as you would have them treat you. We are not treating our consumers as we as consumers would want to be treated. When we get on Instagram, for example, we don't want to be sold to anymore. We don't want to see promotions. We don't want to see advertisements. We don't want to see the latest product or service being hawked at us. We're kind of overwhelmed by it after so many years of being promoted to, of being advertised to, of having tens of thousands of people that we don't know sliding into our DMs with some offer that we didn't even know we were interested in because we're not interested in it. Because of that, because marketers abused attention, we as consumers have pulled back our attention. We've pulled the reins back. We are no longer so free with our attention. We're no longer so giving with our time. And we've become a little cynical about it, and justifiably so. We've been burned too many times. We've had too many spam offers. We've had too many uh, creeps land into our DMs. We've had too many people like, you know, has this, I'm just curious if this has happened to you. Someone reaches out to you. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's Instagram. I used to get it on Facebook a lot. Maybe it's someone, you know, but you haven't talked to in a couple of years. And they're like, man, it's been so long. They, they might not say man to you. Maybe they say woman. It's been so long. I haven't talked to you in so long. Uh, tell me what's new. Oh, by the way, I recently got into insert name of MLM here. Have you ever considered starting a side hustle? Have you ever considered uh, making some extra money? Uh, wouldn't it be nice to have financial freedom? I've gotten like 5,000 of these messages from, from people maybe I went to high school with, who I haven't talked to since I graduated, uh, who all of a sudden are, are exceptionally interested in what I'm doing right now. We're kind of burnt out on those. Um, and because we've gotten so many of these, we tune everything out. Everything. Yeah. Someone's someone saying, yeah, I've had those. Yeah. The result is we tune everything out. We even tune out the things that we might be interested in just to be safe. 
I would rather ignore all the marketing messages, all the advertisements, all the promotions, all the DMs, than to have to try to sift through and decide which ones are legitimate and which ones are not legitimate, which ones I want to pay attention to, which ones I don't want to pay attention to. Now, that's how we operate as consumers. Now, as business professionals, this is frustrating because anyone, I, I, I can almost guarantee anyone who's tuning into this show is not putting out illegitimate offers. Anyone tuning into the show is not trying to spam their audience. You're not trying to, to bother people with your messaging. In fact, a lot of you are nervous that that's what you're doing. You're so nervous that that's what you're doing that you actually hold back on some messaging. You actually hold back on some of what you're trying to offer to people. And that's not going to work either. So we're kind of in this catch-22 where people are ignoring the content we're putting out. And that makes us even more hesitant to put out content that could sell. And ultimately, both of these things mean our sales are impacted. And that's a very difficult place to be. So when we think about social media, we have to approach social media with a completely new system. We have to treat social media differently than we have before. And what worked even, even last year doesn't work now. I, I was talking about, um, this came up the other day about, you know, in 2020, when we all had nothing but copious amounts of time on our hands, we would get involved in social media platforms like, um, what the hell was it? What was the one where it was basically like, a live radio show or a live podcast and you had all these rooms that you could join and people would just be talking. There was no videos, just people talking and you just sit in these rooms and hope to um, hope someone would pass the microphone quote unquote over to you. So you could talk. What the hell was that app? I always forget it. But anyway, that was like such a, such a microcosm of that time. That app does not work now. Obviously, why I'm not remembering what that app was. Um, it could only work then. So what worked before doesn't work now. And what we have to realize is that we need to play both parts. We need to study how we as consumers want to be marketed to. And then we as business professionals respond accordingly. All right. So let me bring up this whiteboard here. Okay. So when we're thinking about how we as consumers want to receive content, there are only, I mean, truly there are only three reasons we're getting on social media to begin with. We want to be entertained. We want to be educated. We want to be inspired. Ultimately, that's it. Those are the only three reasons we're going to get on social media. And you might say, well, I, I get on social media so I can connect with others. I'll put connection with others under this entertainment. We, we enjoy, we are entertained through connecting with others. But outside of that, we're getting on Instagram. We're getting on Facebook to be entertained, educated, or inspired. So if we're creating content that's not doing one of these three things, 
People aren't going to consume the content. They're going to overlook it. Well, this is an ad. This is a promotion. That's not why I signed up for this. We're not getting on Instagram holding our credit cards. At least I'm not. But we are getting on to be entertained, to be inspired, and to be educated. So we have to think that Instagram, and I'll use Instagram just because it's such a ubiquitous tool for so many of us. So when we have our Instagram, let's just put Instagram right here. When we have our Instagram account, it now has become a place for a digital handshake. Whereas before we could introduce ourselves and grow awareness, amplify our authority, build trust and rapport, and deliver our sales content or a call to action for a sales content. It's hard to do that on Instagram now. And the reason it's hard to do that in, on Instagram now is the attention span on Instagram has gotten exceptionally finite. It is very short. Before it used to be longer. I mean, remember when IG lives were being promoted so heavily? Not anymore. I mean, when's the last time any of you tuned into an IG live? It's not that often. And if you do, it's not for an extended period of time. Maybe you tune in for five or six seconds before you're out. Okay. So the attention span on Instagram is exceptionally short. And because it's exceptionally short, it is very difficult to do all the things we want to do as marketers to capture that person's attention, to build trust and rapport with them by delivering immense value to them and solving their problems, and then to have a sales message. Now, can that happen? Absolutely. Is it likely to happen with a large percentage of your audience? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I was writing this article yesterday and I was thinking about, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we focus on so much with Instagram is, you know, how many likes are we getting? Um, and that just seems to be such a goal of ours. Right. And the, the truth is, you know, in my 21 years of content creating, I've had three pieces of content that have gone viral, three, uh, which is one every seven years. And honestly, that's probably better than the average that uh, like most people might not get one in a lifetime. I've had three and the sum total of all the engagement that I've had uh, out of these, these three pieces of content was, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of impressions, maybe close to a million. Now let's correlate how much money I've made from that. And when I crunched all the numbers, the sum total I made from all this viral content, these three pieces of viral content in 21 years was $0. And not just directly, I'm talking indirectly. Indirectly, I made $0. Directly, I made $0 from content that went viral. The content that got the most views, the content that got the most likes, the content that got the most clicks. Didn't make any money from it. Didn't do anything for me. Um, and the reason was, was it was expanding out, like all the people who are watching this content, all the people who are engaging with this content, yes, they were entertained by it, but these were not my target audience 
of who would ever want to purchase from me. The, the types of content that went viral were not the types of content that would ever encourage anyone to work with me or for anyone to take that next step in, in my ecosystem. Okay. So it's not about the number of likes. It's not about an exceedingly high number of views. It's about the right audience and the right engagement, getting the right content in front of the right people consumed at the right time so that they take the right action. So when we look at it this way, Instagram with the now finite attention span now becomes a place for an introduction. This is your digital handshake. This is a chance to very quickly provide something of interest to your audience, something of interest that gives them some value. And when we talk about value, value is really just doing one of two things. It is either answering a question or solving a problem or providing a clear benefit. That's what we think about when we think about value, the value of your content. Your content needs to do one of these two things. It needs to solve a problem or it needs to provide a benefit. Okay, so when we're doing this, solving problems or providing benefits, we know what our audience wants. We know what our audience needs. We know what their pain points are. We're creating content that edifies them, that achieves these things. Quickly, with brevity. Now, let's just say, for example, I'll just, I'll, I'll use myself as an example on this. Right now, I'm creating lots of content targeting an audience of creative professionals. So lots of the content I'm creating is about helping creative professionals do better within their work. So you see lots of lighting tutorials come out, lots of behind the scenes features come out. I'm trying to solve problems like, do you not know how to light? Let me teach you how to light. Do you not know how to take images that are marketable? Let me show you how to take images that are marketable. So which of these am I hitting? Well, I'm educating. I'm potentially inspiring. And I try to make my videos entertaining. So I'm actually trying to hit all three. But what I'm not doing in all these 20 to 30 second videos is saying, my name is James Patrick. I'm an internationally published photographer with more than 600 magazine covers to my credit. I'm going to show you how to take this photo. And then after I show you how to take this photo, then I want you to enter into my ecosystem over here where I'm going to uh, provide you this masterclass all about photography services. Um, they're tuned out at that point. It's quick. It's brief. Let me give you what you want. I'm not asking yet for anything in return. So what I like to focus on, particularly with Instagram, is content that is bingeable or binge-worthy. When we see a piece of content that we love, we go to that person's page. 
if that person has lots of content that is similar in concept, in scope, in, in approach, we're going to start binging that content. We're going to start watching piece after piece after piece. This binging, this consumption of content is what starts to build trust. It what starts, it's what moves consumers from awareness to value. They're getting value from you. So if you put out a piece of content and I go to your account and you don't have other pieces of content that are similar in scope, similar in context, what do I do? I bounce. I'm on to the next thing. My attention span is too short. Thus, what you should be creating on platforms like Instagram is a series or consider it a show. Like I have my how to take a photo that doesn't suck. And before I came up with that, I was testing a few other things. Like I tested um, annoying photography cliches to avoid. I was doing other lighting tutorials and just trying to see which ones would catch fire. The one that caught fire was the how to take a photo that doesn't suck. It's the one that worked the most. So I created a whole series of these. And every time I release a new one, it performs. But then also all the other ones in that series get a bump in views as well. Why? They're being binged. Someone sees the one, they want to watch the others. Okay, so I make it clear and easy for people to find that stuff and to and to take that next step. Now, once we've done this for a while, now we can start to sprinkle in invitations to do something else. And that something else is to leave Instagram. Why are we asking people to leave Instagram? We're asking people to leave Instagram because... The attention span is too short on Instagram, or I should say on the Instagram main feed. So where are we sending them? Well, it could be you're sending them. That is not how you write the letter D. For those that are just listening to the podcast, we're doing a whiteboard. So that's that's why, that's why I'm pausing as I'm writing. Um, it could be entering into the DMs. It could be that. It could be to jump onto your email list. It could be to get on your SMS list. It could be to subscribe to your podcast. It could be to join a private Facebook group. It could be to opt into your YouTube channel. Now, what these things have in common is that the attention span on all of these things is going to be different than the attention span natively on the Instagram feed. And I should say, like with Facebook, I'm talking a Facebook group, a private Facebook group, like many of you are watching from a private Facebook group. My podcast. DMs. DMs are one-to-one. -one. This is where you're actually having honest conversation. Um, email marketing, SMS marketing, YouTube. All of these allow for a longer form of content, a deeper connection. 
when someone takes this step, whatever this step is, they see your Instagram and they decide, oh, I really like the fact that he's talking about his live YouTube show. I'm going to go opt into YouTube over here, right? Anyone who does that just rose their hand. They raised their hand and they said, hey, I'm paying attention to you. I'm paying attention to you and I get so much from you on Instagram that I need to come over here. I need more. That is a sign to you that this is not just a lead. This is a prospect. This is someone who's further along in their decision to work with you. If someone just sees your content on Instagram and there's a very soft call to action for people to DM you, should they want additional information? Should they have questions of their own? And they do DM you. They're signaling to you, hey, I'm paying attention. I'm open to actually having a conversation with you. They opt in to your email list or your SMS list. Once again, they're signaling to you, I've gotten enough value from you. You've solved enough of my problems. You've provided enough benefit. You've entertained me. You've educated me or you've inspired me that I need more from you. So I'm going to enter in over here to carry on this conversation and, and in, a, in a deeper level where you can provide longer form content. So longer form content like this show, like my podcast, like the live coachings I do. Or when someone enters into my SMS list and I can talk to them one-to-one -one, or they enter into my email list, like uh, my marketing person just put out an email this morning about uh, your evolution within this industry over time. Well, that was, it was a, it was a few page long narrative. It's a deeper connection. So this is doing a couple things. One, it's showing you who is already raising their hand to say they're interested and they're invested in more than short-term gratification. And also, it provides a second platform for you to further give value to that audience, to further solve their problems, to further provide clear benefits and solutions to them. Because just because someone goes from your Instagram to, let's say, they, they opt into your podcast, doesn't mean they're ready to buy right now. Some might be. They went from a lead to a prospect, but not everyone. Maybe they need to listen to your podcast for a while. Maybe they need to be on your email list for a while. Maybe they need to watch your YouTube channel for a while, getting more value from you. Because ultimately, there's this... journey that every customer takes and it starts with awareness which is now Instagram we use Instagram to become worse and and above Instagram to be clear this is where we put earned media so landing magazine features or podcast features that can drive people back in here uh, this is like, you know, landing uh, interviews, speaking engagements, if you run ad campaigns, um, if you do um, referral or affiliate marketing, 
all of that leads into your Instagram. That's your awareness. Once there, it's about value. So it's about you nurturing them. From there, you can have some sort of opt-in. Opt-in is your email list or your SMS list, something where they're giving you their information in exchange for more value. So you're give, there's a lead magnet there. From there is the first purchase. Now that purchase can be either a low ticket or it could be your core offer. A low ticket being something, let's say, I don't know, under 50 bucks. Your core offer being something over 200 to 500, something like that. The reason you might want both of these is sometimes people need to do the low ticket before they're willing to do the high ticket or excuse me, the core offer. And then from purchase comes Ascension. What is next on your service ladder or your solution offers that they can invest in next? So when you look at this map, awareness to value to subscription or an opt-in to the first purchase, whether it's a low ticket purchase or a core purchase, to uh, Ascension, raising them up the, the value offers. Can you skip steps here? Sure, you can skip steps. Someone could look at this and say, wow, I just learned about them. I'm getting value from them. I'm just ready to go in and purchase from them right away. But not everyone's going to do that. Some people want to stay here for a long time. I'm curious if any of you have ever had someone message you and say, I've been following your work for years. I would love the chance to work with you. They were in here for years. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's teaching you that people have a time frame on how long they want to get value from you, how long they want to opt in for free offers or, or um, low barriers of entry opportunities to get more opportunity and more nurturing from you before they're ready to commit into purchasing from you. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, obviously, over time, the goal is to shorten the amount of time people have to spend in here before they feel confident to purchase from you. Of course, that's the goal. But it's in this second tier, whether they're in a private Facebook group, they're they're in your podcast, you're DMing, uh, your email list, your SMS list, you, you're subscribing to YouTube. Um, this is where you can have a more effective sales offer. Because Instagram, that's still an awareness right here. That's This is Instagram now. And that is a lot of steps to jump for someone to go from seeing your Instagram to wanting to purchase from you. It's a lot of steps. The less steps you can get them to skip, the more likely they're going to understand the value you are offering them. And really that's what it's about. It's about your audience understanding very clearly, unequivocally, what value you provide to them, what solution you're offering them, what problem you solve for them. 
So you're in the publishing business now. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're in the publishing business. Your job is to craft compelling content that clearly in this first phase entertains, educates, or inspires your audience by solving their problems or providing clear benefits. And then in the second phase, to create longer form content, content that provides more value in a deeper way where you can really extrapolate on things to further build your trust and rapport. And it's in this second layer that you can give an opportunity for someone to take that next step. So what this could look like is, for example, in, in a complete meta approach, I could have done a 20-second synopsis of the, I don't know, let's just say the five most important things that we need to know when it comes to social media marketing. Boom, 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 boom. And I rifle those off on Instagram. By the way, I'm doing a full in-depth training on social media strategies. Here's the link where you can opt in. A short piece of content with an invitation to a longer piece of content. And now they're in my YouTube channel. Or now they're in my private Facebook group. Or now they're subscribed to my podcast. And I can deliver that longer form piece of content. So for those that are myopically focused on Instagram, you need to have another step. Now, this does not mean you have to go launch a podcast or you have to launch a YouTube channel. You have to have an email. You have to have SMS. You have to do all these things. You don't. But there does need to be a next step. So whether that's your email list, and if you don't like writing emails, don't write emails. If you like being on video, be on video. If you love this idea of nurturing in a private group, nurture in a private group. If you are really great at texting, get them to join an SMS list. Lean into your strengths with this. You don't have to do all these things. We try to be as efficient as possible. I mean, look at this, this live coaching right here. As an example, we are broadcasting this live coaching, and there's a handful of you watching from our Facebook group. There's a handful of you watching on YouTube right now. And then tomorrow, I think Friday, excuse me, Friday, there'll be a handful of you who listen to the replay on the podcast. And maybe we'll send out an email letting people know about it. And maybe I'll also send out an SMS list letting people know about it. Now, the time I spent was just the time I spent on this. So there are ways for you to be efficient in your content. Because I understand, like, it's, it's fr it, it can be frustrating when you're like, oh, I, it seems like all I ever do is make content. Yeah. Yeah. But also... Are there ways to systemize it? Are there ways to make it more efficient for you? And it's just about figuring out what that is. So ultimately, we need to understand that our consumers want to be heard and they want to be seen. 
And it's our responsibility in whatever it is we're choosing to sell to see them, to hear them, and to respond accordingly. If there's one word that you take away from this entire dive, it's the word nurture. Our audience wants and deserves to be nurtured longer than they ever have before. And it's incumbent on us as business owners to nurture that attention. That's our role now. So we'll open it up for questions. And wherever you're tuning in, whether it's our Facebook group or whether it's um, YouTube, uh, you can type into the chat section or the comment section any questions that you might have on anything that we've discussed on how it potentially applies to you if you have circumstances that that I have not um, shed light on yet that you are looking for some more clarity with. Or if you have something you're curious about that might not have anything to do with this, that's okay too. Um, go ahead and throw those, throw those questions into the chat box and we'll get to those in uh, whatever order they pop up. And I'm hoping this made sense that this provided some clarity. <clears throat> we have a question coming in about, okay, how do you create content that you know, or how do you, if you're not looking at likes, how do you understand if the content's working or not? So testing is important in this process. And when we talk about testing, if you're just putting out one piece of content and using that as your sample pool, the results are not going to be as accurate as if you're to test multiple things. Like some things can, can signal back to you pretty quickly and other things might take a little bit of time. And I am always gonna lean into the latter I would rather test content over time, test themes over time, maybe several weeks, maybe a handful of posts, a handful of stories to really understand what is effective and what is not, what our audience likes and what, what they're not interested in. Um, and over time, your audience will very clearly indicate to you, it's not really about trying to outsmart the algorithm. Stop paying attention to the algorithm. Um, You'll never, like, it will never be revealed what it is. And anytime that there's a hack or a trick or a, a workaround to it, they'll change it. So it's a moving target that there's no point in trying to hit it. Um, rather, spend whatever time and energy that is on just really clearly understanding what does my audience want or need? What are their questions? And let's answer those questions and just create content that answers those questions. Um, the nuance of how you're answering those questions or the format in which you're answering those questions, that's where you get to be creative. That's where you get to test things out. That's where you get to experiment and try things. Um, you know, we try things that sometimes we think are going to be home runs and they're strikeouts. We try things that we think are going to be a bunt and they end up being a grand slam. You know, and that's, that only comes with testing and, and every person 
is going to be different. Every situation is going to be unique. So it's about um, uh, finding what it is that that one you enjoy doing, and two your audience seems to seems to respond to. Okay. All right. All right. So this is helpful question. Is there a role for blogging? I'm much more comfortable with blogging and writing than anything else. Yes, there is. You can absolutely go uh, blog. So um, what I would do, pulling the board back up, is think of your blog as like we still blog, but it's not enough. We just put a blog up on a website because our website is not going to be, it's never going to be a top destination for our audience. We can never assume that our website is going to be a place that our audience is going to seek out and want to go to. So we have to deliver that blog to our audience. Same with podcasting. It's not like people go to my website to listen to my podcast. They don't. I don't know anyone who's ever gone to my website and played my podcast off the off the the web player on my website. I could pull those stats and it would be like less than 1%. So where are they getting my podcast? From the podcast app, a place they go to. Where would they get my blogs? I'd have to email it to them. So your blog is your email list. Okay, yes, blog. If you're if you're a writer, blog away. And any, any SEO hits that you get, awesome. Any, any inbound traffic you get from that, great. That's great. Good for you. But do not rely on that as the sole source of how people are going to find and consume this content. You need to put it in front of them. So whether it's, yeah, I write a blog and then I send out the link for the blog in my email list, or I send it out to my SMS list, or I post it in the private Facebook group, or I am literally DMing it to people, or uh, I put it in the links of my YouTube, whatever it is. Like you have to get that blog in front of people. I would say the easiest, the path of least resistance for that would be um, emailing it out. All right, next question. Do you have any tips or tricks on getting on camera to make content if you're feeling discouraged or silly? That's actually a really good question. Um, so there's there's really two parts to this. Uh, there is the one part, which is if you absolutely hate being on camera, you are not required to be on camera. There is no rule that says you have to be on video. And there are just some people who just don't like it and they're not interested in it. And to that, I say, don't do it because it's, it'll be obvious. You don't like, it. and it'll be obvious. You don't want to be there. And why do something you don't like? Like, what's the point? What's the point of doing crap you don't enjoy so you can make money like that? That sucks. Um, lean into your strengths. Uh, so like, for me, podcasting was a strength of mine. I, I, I'm very comfortable talking. It took, oh gosh, this is embarrassing to say. It took like nine or 10 years before we started doing these video broadcasts of my show. And it took just time for me to understand how I wanted to do it, uh, the cadence of how I wanted the show to run. And once I figured out a system, now, now I love it. I love doing these live streams. I love being on video now. 
I, I relish it. I think it's great. I love the comments that come in. I love the fact that I'm able to bring the comments up on the screen. I'm love that I'm able to um, use my whiteboard and kind of draw things out for people. Like I get such a, such a thrill out of teaching like this. Um, but that, you know, just took time for me. Um, here's the other part of it. When I go back and listen to my podcasts from 10 years ago, they are pretty damn bad. Now, I didn't know they were bad at the time. They're only bad because they're better now. And that's an important thing to realize. They're only bad in contrast. They were really, I thought they were great at the time. I'm like, oh, shit, this is really good. But, you know, now that I have better gear and better technology and a better understanding and better presence on the microphone, um, better pacing, like my shows are better now. So I would, I would never recommend someone go back and listen to episodes, you know, and you know, the beyond the image podcast, I mean, I think we're, we're close to 500 episodes. Um, but I'm talking like I podcasted for years before that. My first podcast was called the pro exposure. Uh, and I think we did 80 or 90 episodes of that. And there were some pretty damn rough ones. Uh, and then we did the Fiposium podcast. I think we did like 90 or hundred of those. There were some rough ones there as well. Here's the thing. Um, if the content solves what the audience is looking for, they're going to forgive a lot. They're going to forgive issues with your audio. They're going to forgive issues with video. They're going to forgive um, if you forget what you're going to say. They're going to forgive if there are flubs in your, your, your speaking. They don't care. Uh, they care, does the content give me what I need to get, yes or no? So if your content delivers value, we're going to overlook a lot. Um, and we're going to take that journey with you. Like there have been people who have been listening to my shows for years, and I'm sure they've heard an evolution and a maturing and perhaps an improvement over over years of listening to my shows. But I was never getting complaints. 10 years ago of, well, your shows suck, get better. I'm going to listen to them when they get better. When I um, started photography, you know, I was not where I am now with photography. When I started writing, I'm not where I am now with writing. When I was podcasting, I'm not where I am now with podcasting. My first live presentation at uh, anywhere uh, was in college. Um, I was asked to teach at my school. And I remember my first lecture. Uh, it was it was a um what's that called? Not upper division, I guess lower division course or lower division? I don't know. It it was it was a course within a major. I was teaching um photography and Photoshop. And I was so nervous that I would I stood behind this giant computer so people could not see me. They can only hear me. I was so terrified to be seen. Now I can speak in front of, you know, an audience of thousands. It doesn't, doesn't quite phase me. Um, you will grow with it over time. So my advice to get more specific to the question is if you feel silly, be silly. Like, hit record and hit publish. What is, 
follow the thought to the end. What is legitimately the worst thing that happens? People don't watch it. There's nothing worse than that. People don't watch it. That's it. And if follow that through, if people don't watch it, okay, then maybe the next time people will watch it or maybe I won't do it again. Also, also, it's never going to be as rough as you think it is going to be. Um, I was given this presentation uh, maybe 10 years ago. Now, the, the concept of the presentation was how we present ourselves and our brands and first, uh, first impressions. Um, so what I did, and I did this intentionally, was I pretended to be very nervous speaking in front of this group. I think there were 50 people in the room. I had my notes in the wrong order. I had my slides in the wrong order intentionally. No one knows I'm doing this on purpose. Um, I'm asking the, the, the host to turn down the lights and then uh, it's too dark. I can't read my notes. Can you turn up the lights? Here's the thing. I thought people would get it right away that I was nervous, quote unquote, even though I was pretending. It took a while. I really had to act. I really had to lean into it. I really had to pretend. Because just doing it a little bit, no one would have noticed. They're like, oh, his notes are out of order. He's fixing it. Oh, he's fixing his slides. Who cares? They won't remember that in 20 seconds. So I really had to pretend that I was uncomfortable and that I was messing up and that I was nervous and that I was paralyzed and that I was freezing. It took a lot of effort to convince people of that. And I don't think I'm that bad of an actor. I just think people are not, they're more focused on themselves than you, always. Um, once, once I was able to convince people, oh yes, I'm nervous and I'm afraid. Here's, here's the interesting thing that happened. Like after about like it must it, it must have been like sixty seconds of doing this, uh, did they start saying, "Oh God, this guy"? Did they start rolling their eyes? Did they start um, looking to see when I was going to get off stage? Nope. You know what they did? They said, "You got this. It's okay. You got this. Don't worry. We're we're all in this together. You're fine." Literally, they started to encourage me. They started to support me. They started to be like, you're fine. We're all in this together. Don't worry. There's nothing to be nervous about. We'll get through this together. They're actually supportive. Once they found out I was joking the whole time, then you know we got a big laugh out of it. But that's something to pay attention to, the fact that they weren't mean. They weren't rude about it. They weren't demeaning me. They weren't, you know, throwing tomatoes at me, telling me to get off stage. And, you know, the, to, to just so you know the full story, um, I reset and then I switched PowerPoint decks to my actual PowerPoint deck and I rifled off, I think it was like 25 facts or, or, or um, uh, pieces of information and like within you know, real quick, just boom, 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 boom. Like all, it was like two different people. And then I stopped and I says, okay, you were to hire someone, which are those 
two individuals would you hire? Which individual left an impression on you? Um, and then they were like, oh, he was joking around the whole time, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, the point is, it's it's going to feel weird because you've not done it. And the only way it's not going to feel weird is to do it consistently over time. We are not born on, you know, with, with amazing on-camera abilities. Like, that's not a trait. That's a skill. I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, well, I don't have a background in marketing. I says, no one has a background in marketing. No one does uh, until we start marketing. No one has a background in sales until they start sales. Like these are not things we're born with. These are things we develop over time. Simple as that. Um, so try it and put it out and share it with people. And you might be absolutely delighted at the fact that the world will not end when you do this. Um, it won't. Oh, spoiler alert. The world's not going to end if you, if you post this video. So, all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. An hour went by super fast. Um, if you have things that, oh, we have one more um, question come in. Um, before I answer this question, if there are um, topics you want to see me cover in next week's or any future episodes, let me know. Um, you can DM me at jpatrickphoto. Um, you can text me. 480-605-3254, and just say, hey, I'd love for you to do this topic, uh, and then we'll do that on an upcoming episode. All right, uh, one more question. When uh, making speaking videos on a cell phone camera, how far away from the talking head should the camera be set up? Um, depends on, that's actually a good question. Let me think, let me think this through. Well, I guess it depends how you're framing it. Um, at least a foot, I would say. Um, yeah, I would say a foot, although I typically like to see more of a head and shoulders or head, shoulders and torso in a frame. So I might stand like two or three feet back if I'm, if I'm recording on my cell phone. Um, in fact, yeah, when we were doing our, our promo ads for our Fitposium conference, we were filming on a, on a regular camera, but we had to crop it in a vertical orientation for ads for Instagram reels. Um, so I, I just stood back, I think it was three to four feet from the camera. And that way the camera was able to get my entire torso. So we're able to crop down the video uh, to fit in the vertical orientation. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's more so like, is the audio good? Like make sure people can hear you clearly. Uh, number two, uh, I think audio is probably the most important thing. Uh, number two is in any videos that you're posting, you have captions because most of us watch videos without audio, meaning you have to caption your videos. Uh, and then um, number three, that the that there's no strong light behind you, meaning you're probably the brightest thing in the scene. Uh, so you're not standing in front of a window so that you're dark and the background's bright. If you like 
those three basic things, the video is going to be fine and, and good enough for people to consume. So awesome. All right. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. As I mentioned, if you have questions or topics you want me to cover on future episodes, send me a text 480-605-3254. Hope everyone has an outstanding rest of your Wednesday and we'll talk to you all next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.